Thank you for joining us. You're listening to the Ballistic Football Podcast, where real amateurs talk real football. Again, I'm your host and producer until we find a better one. Matt, just a reminder that you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Ballistic Footy. I'm joined here this evening with my co-host, Jake. Jake, how's it going? Good. What's up? It's, uh, I feel like it's been a weekend. while. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Do you have a good one? Uh, yeah, I mean, except for the draw, <laughs> yeah. kind of, it's just, I don't know, it leaves us with a lot of midfield questions Yeah, that, you know, I thought we had reassurance from the first game on Fred, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think there was a lot of interesting things that went on this weekend across all the leagues. Um, so yeah, like, like you said, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, I wanted to take a moment to to talk about kind of something related to football, but uh, maybe on a, a tad more serious note, um, I'm sure you've kind of heard what's gone on in Kabul, Afghanistan with the uh, U.S. withdrawing and the Taliban forces taking over. And I just wanted to take a moment to, to talk about there was a, an Afghan uh, youth national team player that actually uh, passed away. He was one of the ones trying to flee the country, 17 years old, uh, Zeki Anwari. And I just think, you know, every so often it's probably good to talk about a little bit more of the serious side of football. You know, I think you and I take for granted that we can hop on here and do a podcast or, you know, you and I are both gamers to kind of escape from, you know, what we consider the troubles and the, and some of the world we live in, but yeah. in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it's probably nothing compared to, to what Zaki um, was dealing with. And you hear it a lot with uh, really a lot of the just superstars, you know, the Lionel Messi's, the, the Cristiano Ronaldo's of the world. I mean, they started off with nothing and football was kind of that escape uh, to get away and, and find a better life, much like this is for us. Just tough to hear stuff like this anytime there's a tragedy with a football player. And yeah, I mean, we we do take for granted just the opportunities given to us. And yeah, just really unfortunate news. Well, and I, I think some some people that I know have probably heard me tell the story before, but I can remember playing in high school, and actually my younger brother had a friend of his. Um, my younger brother and I are two years apart, and a really kind of just bizarre situation where one of his best friends uh, there, I want to say he had maybe four siblings, four or five siblings, uh, but they had a rare gene in their family and that gene caused uh, cancer. And so unfortunately my brother's best friend drew was his name actually, um, was diagnosed with cancer, um, underwent treatment, and it was in the middle of our our high school season. And I can remember being at the end of a practice and his parents drove him out to the field and he took every bit of energy he had just to walk out on the field and then kick a ball just like a couple times just to, again, get away from his reality at the time. And, you know, at, at a practice, I could kick a ball a hundred times and not think anything of it, <laughs> but this, this kid took everything he had 
to come out on the field and do that. And unfortunately for that family, I think it was the entire family with the exception of the mom. And I think one of the brothers passed away from cancer. Jeez. So, I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's horrific. It's always, I I know I'm taking kind of a bit of a somber tone, but I think, you know, it's a good reminder that we watch these guys play on TV for money, (laughs) you know? And, I mean, that's some of those guys have worked so hard to get out of the situation that they're in and that's all they had. And now they've just, they're just living their best life, getting to play the game that they love. So pretty, uh, pretty unfortunate news, but I think it's good to talk about, you know, how, how fortunate we are. So I'll, I'll uh, conclude my monologue and we can actually start talking about (laughs) other things that went on, uh, this weekend. You know, talking about what went on in some of the European leagues this weekend. I don't know if there was, you know, we're both United fans, obviously. Uh, So when Jake was talking about the draw earlier, that was mentioning Southampton. I feel like we were pretty stagnant when I say we, meaning United. I mean, what, what was your take on that particular game? Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that first half was pretty poor. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know, inconsistency. And, I mean, Fred had an absolute horrific... I, I thought he probably should have been subbed off at halftime. And I, I think we would have had a better chance at winning with Donnie Van de Beek in the game. And, Fred, I mean, Fred put in a good performance against Leeds. I mean, it, it did seem like everyone put in a good performance against Leeds. So I don't know how much to take that from that. And... I, I still really like McTominay. It's just we need a, we need Ruben Neves or some uh, defensive midfielder, just someone. <laughs> this team's calling out for it. So, yeah, I mean, I like Mason gets another goal. He's just looking so much more. He, he's just ready for that next step. Uh, and it's just crazy how his progression has just gone up and up and up. It, it, it really hasn't felt like he's hit a wall yet. We might have to, maybe that comes later this season, but, you know, you're going to have Edison Cavani to come uh, help with that. So hopefully we get Sancho, Varane, and Cavani starting next game. Well, and I think Pavica kind of continued his decent run of form. I mean, he had a stellar game against Leeds and then picked up the assist. Yeah, no, there's multiple, multiple times where he just showed some brilliance. There was, he put one pass to the right post barely, after creating the shot all from himself, Bruno had a quieter game, um, but we just have high, such high expectations of Bruno, you know. And Martial just, uh, I, it's it's tough, you know. I think Ali really just wanted to give Martial his chance, and yeah, he just couldn't get he couldn't get on the ball at all. It, it, there wasn't it was re- a real lack of movement, and that's something. You know, when you go from Martial to Cavani, Cavani's off-ball movement is world-class. So, it's a big jump. Um, and Martial just does a lot more stuff once he has the ball. But it, it just seems like we can't we can't give him service. And partially, some of that's his fault. You know, he's not dropping deep enough sometimes. Or, he, I don't know, he, sometimes he just doesn't want to do the dirty work and just do all the fancy tricks on the ball, which he's really good at. But, yeah. I think Cavani's decision-making is better at the number nine position over Martial. 
Yeah, I mean, other results around the Prem, I think there weren't any, like, I would say, upsets. Um, uh, I, I mean, mean, the one to, there's the one game today. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, West Ham, man, they beat Leicester 4 1. West Ham are looking legit. Uh, Mikhail Antonio, their leading goal scorer now in the Premier League. So I, mean, I, I guess Chelsea put it to Arsenal. And, I mean, that's just, I think, a continuation yeah, of Arsenal's it could have been, form. It could have been 4. I mean, people were predicting 4-0, 5-0. I thought it was going to be 4-0. Picked up Lukaku in Premier League Fantasy. I, nice. I changed my whole squad <laughs> just to get him in. Because, like I said previously, um, he's a guy that's just going to naturally get 20 goals. You know? Uh, he just has a, he has, he's such a proven goal scorer. And he gets off the mark early in the 14th minute, I believe. In that first game, and Chelsea are looking scary. <laughs> they are looking scary. Nice uh, to see Lukaku start to make an impact as a uh, having played for United at one point. Even though I'm not a Chelsea fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. especially for the price tag to get that first goal out of the way early. Yeah, uh, good for your mental. I saw Jack Grealish opened his account with Man City with their 5-0 win over Norwich. I, uh, you know. I don't know if that's anything special, to be honest. I mean, when you beat a team that decisively, was one goal. <laughs> was his goal really that big a deal? I mean, I, I want to see him perform against maybe a little bit higher caliber team. But you got to start yeah, somewhere. Sure. Yeah, you got to do it against the little teams first. So I, I'm... All eyes are going to be on Jack Grealish once they get some matchups against some of the bigger clubs. Like I, I that's the thing that I've been thinking about is that top four that we have: Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, Man City. A- anytime those guys are going to go up against each other, it's must-watch television this season. I'd say more so than some previous years uh, recently, because I, I, I don't know. It's one of those four teams that just it feels like. I mean, Tottenham beating Manchester City on the opening day maybe puts some doubt into some people's minds about their title chances, but it's of course, it's the first game. So, yeah, we'll see what the Harry Kane situation is as well. I mean, that would definitely get them back up to the favorites that everyone thought they would be before the season. Yeah, and he actually didn't start. He subbed on in the 72nd minute, and they ended up with a 101 over Wolverhampton. So they keep their their winning ways. Uh, although the one goal they did score was a penalty in the ninth minute. So I didn't Deli get. Alley. Yeah. <laughs> I want to take a. That's a name a I haven't st- heard in a while, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I want to take a pit stop because I was thinking when I saw him get on the score sheet. I was just like, if they can get Deli Alley go- going, man, I mean, if you can get him back to that previous form, you could really have something special. And the whole Harry Kane situation, it's just crazy. It's like a whole saga. You had Daniel Levy in the stands. They just cut to him. He's like stone-faced. I, I don't know. It, it's going to be great to watch this play out. Well, pivoting uh, away from the Prem, you know, notably... Barcelona struggled with uh, Athletic Bilbao over the weekend. I think it was a, a Depay goal that actually tied it up, and it was a screamer if you saw it. 
um, just no real, really no angle, but just like smoked it on the left side of the goal and it went just up in the top net. So he scored that in the 75th and I watched a good chunk of that game and Barcelona looked, uh, looked rough. And, you know, it was interesting. I heard someone make a comment that it's like, nobody's scared now that Messi's gone. And maybe that's true. (laughs) You know, it's (laughs) just like, there's, there's maybe a level of, uh, of confidence that other teams have built knowing that he's, he's gone. Yeah, no, most definitely. I'm sure a lot of those teams were just, thank God Messi's gone. Let's, uh, maybe gives them a, a renewed sense of hope, I would imagine. And yeah, really just, Depay, he looks like he could play, I mean, he's Why Barcelona Why did he quality. not play that way when he was at United? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a whole thing about that where they, do, even the te- his teammates, like, I heard that Zlatan and Pogba asked him, why is he not playing? He did a whole interview on it recently. Just, he didn't even know why he wasn't playing. Because he was training well. Um, And, yeah, I mean, Van Hall brought him in, right? And then Mourinho just didn't really play him? Or, I mean, I don't know. He definitely has a talent for Barcelona. And, in a way, he kind of fits the Barcelona identity. I don't know why some guys just fit like Frankie de Jong. He just is a Barcelona guy that the, the, those are the right guys to have. And like Pedri and you got Ansu Fati. These are the guys you got to build around. If you're Barcelona, these are the guys that know it just seems like they fit in perfectly. Griezmann still, I, I don't know what they're doing. He, he just doesn't fit Barcelona. So I don't, they got to look to offload him. But again, no one's really gonna take him, especially on the wages he's probably making right now. Have you have you heard any more about Aguero? I'm looking. Was he on their bench? No, he's not on their bench. I I heard someone. It was one of the ESPN guys, so I don't know how accurate it is. It was just that he was gonna return to the team soon. But he seemed very against not playing with Messi. Yeah. Like, that was the whole reason he came. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you could play him instead of Braithwaite. And, I mean, Braithwaite's done. He's earned his keep around Barcelona, I feel. Right. But, yeah, I would. you could put Aguero in for Braithwaite because he started left wing. But Ansu Fati and Pedri... We'll see. Apparently, Pedri's finally getting a vacation, is what I heard. He's played like 73 games in a row. <laughs> <So, there> were, <laughs> like, there some memes out there? About there were him. a lot of memes. Yeah. <laughs> he is, yeah, he's only 18. So, I mean, and he was playing for Spain. Like, I, Spain just, I can't believe they made it to the semifinals of the Euros. Yeah. They, they I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they have the same stars of past. There's just a generational gap between the Chavi, Iniesta, you know, David Villa. Like, there's a gap between that. So, yeah, they're, they're in a tough tough spot right now, but maybe Pedri can lift them out. Yeah, I I, uh, I was able to catch the Dortmund-Freiburg game. That was I, – I think Gio Reyna played pretty well, but overall they looked, they looked pretty – Dortmund, I mean, looked like they were struggling a bit. Holland just – 
seemed off. Um, he had some chances, but just couldn't quite finish. And so that that's a pretty disappointing result for them and really a disappointing start to their Bundesliga season overall. Yeah, I mean, they showed that they're vulnerable. And I think with what we're seeing from Holland and what we still know, what we still know about a Holland is that he's a goal machine. So anytime you have a goal machine on your team, I feel like you have a chance to win the league, but they definitely showed they definitely showed some cracks. And I think it's mostly defensively. You know? Where's yeah. hum- Hummels didn't play? No, he was on the bench. He was a late sub. Yeah, their their defense uh, I, think I mean Freiburg, Freiburg was knocking it felt like the whole game. And then it kind of tapered off a little bit with that that goal that they scored in the second half, um, mm-hmm. which ended, which was a deflection and ended up being an own goal. But yeah, I just, yeah. Uh, it's not kind of not what I'm used to seeing from them. And I don't know if that's just kind of hangover from their loss to Bayern Munich or, or what's going on, but hopefully uh, begin to see them kind of turn that back around. They're, they're kind of my, I guess go to German team if I had a German team that I follow. Yeah, it's. Just, I think a lot of people gravitate towards that just with the youth talent they produce, you know. And it's taken. It's definitely taken a step up when you got Holland, Reyna, and Bellingham, and then on the bench you also got uh, Makoko, who's sixteen or something. Yeah. And also Reiner. I forgot to mention the Brazilian. So I mean, they are stacked. It's almost like a FIFA team with their youth products. <laughs> right. But uh, going back to Gio Reyna, we're, we're probably going to, hopefully, we're going to end up thanking Marco Rosa for making Greg Berhalter realize that Gio Reyna plays in the midfield. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I don't like winger Reyna, really. I mean, he him in the midfield just looks so good. Yeah. So hopefully Greg can realize that for World Cup qualifiers coming up here in September. Yeah, also speaking of uh, Bundesliga, uh, Bayern Munich, there were some, some rumblings that Lewandowski's kind of wanting a change in scenery. Have you uh, heard anything about that? Yeah, I was hearing that. Um, and they wanted 110 million euros for him, I believe. I mean, the price okay. tag. So he's 32. And the thing, going back to the Holland goal machine, and anytime you have a goal machine, you have a chance to win the league. Lewandowski is probably the thing keeping Bayern and Dortmund that separation. You know, just like having those guaranteed goals they are going to get from Lewandowski. Like, man, he is so valuable to that team. And and I can't really think of where he would go. Well, that's the thing is I, I kind of I was wanted to ask you, I mean, he's a prolific goal scorer. There's no doubt about it. But has he just like has he figured out the German league style of play, or is he just could he go anywhere and be that good? And you know, or I guess the other thing too is is does he is he just a perfect fit for Bayern Munich's system? I th- he's a world class striker, and I he can do it anywhere he wants. Uh, just like his finishing ability, technically as a striker, he just has everything down. It, it's pretty he's just an all-around nine like it's i don't know and he's he's one of those fox in the box guys 
it's, he's, he's a remarkable talent, yeah. And I, I think he could play at any... He'd fit into any club in the world. You can put him into any team, and he... he yeah, he has the talent to be there. Do you think he's worth 110 million euros? Not not for his age. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know what he's worth. I I mean, not for 32. You know, just thinking as a future investment. I, I he'll probably be still banging in goals till he's 36. And we all know Bayern has that crazy workout program. So maybe that's that's adding some years to his career. Because he still looks like he's in his prime. Because he really is at 32. So, yeah. I mean, I know there was some talks of Liverpool because he has the Klopp links. Um, I Liverpool don't really dish the money out like like that. And I think that's a complaint from some of their fans is that, you know, they're not really spending big. Once Klopp built his squad, they've kind of just made some little tweaks here and there you know no no big additions i mean jota he was a little bit lower price but he's turned out to be a great talent like he fits right into that team they so they recruit you know i think klopp really recruits well for his side um and Lewandowski, like i said he fits into any team so (laughs) right i don't think liverpool would dish out that kind of money though i don't know a club that would be able to I mean, do you think that's a focus switch a little bit on Klopp's part just to say, like, it's kind of similar to when he was at Dortmund, we're going to start developing players rather than than buying them? Or do you just think that they've missed out on opportunities that they should have taken advantage of in the transfer window? I, I think there's been times where, well, the ownership, is they just don't want to spend sometimes. Uh, and they're not, they're not just like endlessly rich, but yeah, I, there have been times where they've kind of missed on stuff and where they could have strengthened the squad. And, you know, they had that problem. They were in fourth last year, right? So yeah, there's been times where they've needed to freshen up the squad because when you have these guys go at it at that high level where they won the champions league won the league they had to grind that man city team down for a year when man city beat them out the first year so yeah they they needed to freshen up the squad at points where they could have kept prolonged challenging but i don't know maybe maybe they're reloaded now Mane, salah like they look all they all look like they're getting off to a hot start so i mean liverpool they're they're a group that knows how to win so you always gotta keep them as contenders yeah, uh, Bayern Munich continued their good run of form this past weekend with a 3-2 one over Köln. And on the Serie A front, some rumblings about Cristiano Ronaldo, who did not start for Juventus, has subbed on in the 60th minute, and they uh, ended up with a, a tie. There's a lot of rumors floating around about Ronaldo. I've read a couple of different things the past couple of days that once said like they're 100% sure he he wants out. Then I read another one saying that they've convinced him to stay. You know, what are what are your thoughts on him wanting to move? And I guess along with that, if he wanted to, I mean, who who would have the ability to pick him up? <laughs> I mean, this summer has just been nuts <laughs> in terms of when where can 
we've had so many players go on the market that we can't you can't really fit them in anywhere financially because <laughs> they're just such big entities that you build a club around them you know and PSG you know they probably yeah, they probably got the money and it probably somehow wouldn't break financial fair play you know and they'd get away with it but i i there's someone lying you know in terms of the club i don't think it's 100% settled there because Ronaldo, he wants to be at the best of the best, and Juventus just having a tough time in Serie A in the Champions League. He's just trying to win as many Champions Leagues as he can before he's gone, you know? So wherever he can succeed, he's got a lot of power, you know, that he could just move around. But I, I really don't know. I don't know where he could go. So the, now that's two. You have Lewandowski and you have Ronaldo where, man, like... You just can't find a spot for him. Well, and then the so, last the last week of the transfer window too, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I mean, deadline to, like it's gonna be a crazy last week. Probably, maybe, possibly one of the craziest. I mean, this is probably one of the craziest transfer windows ever. Just, I mean, alone, just because Messi left Barcelona. So we're witnessing a historic transfer window for sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting to. To see how it goes, definitely. But that's what makes this time of the year fun. I want to kind of cap off our weekend overview with um, the crazy scenes from... I, I believe you're more of a French speaker than I am. Nice and Marseille. Did you see the uh, clips from that? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know anyone who hasn't seen it. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's it's, like, you know, what I talked about at the beginning of this, to kick this off, kind of, that's like a huge black eye, you know, to the sport in general. Um, and again, just talking about keeping things in perspective. Although I will say, Payet got drilled with that water bottle, if no, you saw yeah, that. I, <laughs> Yeah, he I mean, shouldn't have thrown anything back, but you can't blame the guy whatsoever. I mean, well, dude, and that's what what frustrated me was Nice's uh, mayor. I think it was their mayor, their the president of the their club said something about like this is all Marseille's fault. It's like, and it, and it was like so soon after it happened that he there's no way he had looked at what actually transpired to know whether or not. But just to jump to that conclusion, like really. You Dude, know, come on. football football tribalism, man. I feel like some clubs, it's just, it's very lively. And I, I feel like Italy and France kind of underrated in terms of, like, that tribe mentality, you know? Yeah. Uh, just like the ultras. I, I don't know how they don't get more stewards over there. Like, we saw the problem was happening. How are you right. not sending guys to go cover the area where they're intruding? I it just seemed like they were so outnumbered. So, yeah, unfortunate to see, especially when we get the fans back, that something well, that's, like that happens. And I was just talking to someone about that today. It seems like things have just gotten crazy, and not just within you know soccer slash football itself, but like during the NBA finals, like people chucking water bottles at players' heads, and like it's you're you're kind of like this is your first shot back, you know, at being able to watch in person, and you guys are acting like. And it's not everybody, but people are acting like absolute buffoons, you know, in, in the stands. And 
to be honest, related to this one, um, I, I think there was a lot of confusion as to whether or not they suspended the match, whether it was considered abandoned, whether um, the referee had a- awarded Nice a victory because he said that Marseille forfeited. And that was actually the last thing that I heard. But now I'm pretty sure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they're considering it basically a, a suspended, abandoned match. So I don't think there's any points awarded uh, to either team in that scenario. So, wait, so doesn't, I don't know, that just seems like that throws everything off. Because why should Marseille be punished? Like, what I had heard of first was what you were talking about, how Marseille lost 3-0 due to they didn't take the field again did you see some of the injuries that those marseille players had yeah it was the choke mark like yeah how are you asking those guys to go back on the field yeah like no way it was safe for them no absolutely not like i would have done the same thing i don't blame them at all yeah and you got conrad de la fuente out there (laughs) so he he was all in that mix and like that's even you know we say CONCACAF's crazy and stuff. That, I don't think, happens in CONCACAF. Nah. Like, it could, it could, but it's not like, you know, you don't expect that, even from CONCACAF. Right. It's just crazy. I don't know. Did you see that situation. video of the Marseille uh, coaching staff member just, like, deck that guy? Oh, yeah. That was pretty <laughs> That was pretty awesome because it was great. He just, great, like, walks up randomly and like, and oh, here's, the here's my moment of opportunity. Oh, it's a great punch. And then he drops him, and then he does a little backpedal. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah. that was great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, – that was just an interesting uh, series of events uh, that occurred with that one. But, yeah, I'm looking at the table now. I mean, it's it uh, it shows as if both teams have only played two matches – so far so i don't know maybe it gets replayed maybe it doesn't we'll see so i i yeah i would wonder does that does it just completely restart because nice were up one nil and i think it was the 75th minute right yeah which made it even or they restart from the 75th i don't know which made it even dumber for the fans because your team was up one nil and then you just completely ruined the game and even yeah. then, like, you'd think some other fans would, like, step in and, you know, yeah, the security was clearly an issue. And if you listen to any of the commentators that were talking about it, it was like, this is this is absurd. Like, how does this even happen? But, yeah. you know, as, as fans with fans, and it looked like some of the players were maybe trying to step in. Others were like, eh, whatever. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it's, it, on, it, it did feel surreal for sure. But yeah, I yeah I don't know how you don't have more stewards for uh, I don't know. So yeah, I mean league on. It's just a bad look for them. Absolutely. S- speaking, of, we talked a little bit about Giorena. Did you happen to see any other Americans in action this weekend that you you thought played pretty well? I mean, just talking about guys who are rising stock already is. I mean, Conrad De La Fuente. The stuff he showcased at such a high level, um, it seriously just looks like it was untapped potential, and Marseille probably hit a gold mine by getting him from Barcelona. 
So Conrad definitely, I think he's in my twenty-three for the call or for the September World Cup qualifying games. Brendan Aronson, big fan. He he, yeah. he just keeps getting it done, man. And I, I I've I even wanted when we did our starting 11s, I want him to start in the right wing. I I think he just does so much. He does so many things well, and I think he has one of the highest ceilings within our player pool. Obviously, there was a tough game for Joe Scally. Apparently, he got like a it, there was a rating thing that the lowest score was six, and they gave him a five point five. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> yeah, no, he was getting burned by I think the guy's name was Diaby from Leverkusen, who apparently is like one of the fastest guys in Bundesliga. Um, and someone said on Twitter that Davies even struggled with him. So, yeah. Scally, though, to do that at 18 and people just, people talk about how mature he is. Uh, I think Joe Scally could be a serious revelation. And his ability to play left back and right back is something we are missing right now. We don't really have that in the player pool. So, valuable guy. When, when, especially when a guy can play two spots so well. You know, that, that's one less roster spot that you have to worry about in terms of right back and left back. Yes, Valencia had a 2-0 loss over the weekend. Oh, Venezia, yeah. Uh, Tanner Tessman, he got a sub-appearance. He, he also got a sub-appearance in their uh, Copa Italia game, their first round. Venezia looked like they, yeah, there's some, the commentators were saying they needed some more signings that they were have coming in. It seems like they've signed so many people. Um, I think there's a lot of investment going into Venezia by that American ownership. And they gave Tessman the number eight and Busio 27, I think. So, yeah, I, I just really look forward to if they got Busio in, because it, it seems like they're lacking a creative spark, and Busio can do that from, you know, a deeper midfield position. I, and Tessman also had some good moments as well. Um, but yeah, we I, I'd like to see a start. If we could see a start with Tessman and Busio, I would definitely watch all 90 minutes of that game. Because I think that would really tell us the level that they're at right now. Yeah, so that was a 2-0 a loss to Napoli. Yeah, they did not look... Napoli was at 10 men, and they scored on Venezia for the second. <laughs> so they did not... They don't look good. Um, and Napoli's a good side, but even in their opening fixture... Or was this their opening fixture? It I might think it have was, been. from what I read. Yeah. Yeah, so their Copa Italia performance, they went to penalties and yeah. won it. That was against a Serie B side. So, yeah, it... it it may be a tough season for Venezia, but I hope the Americans can lift them, you know, to get out of, you know, not get relegated. Right. And then uh, in USL action, Louisville City took a nil-nil draw. So it's still got a point. Um, they are still ahead in the East. Yeah, you're in first, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, they're... Uh, yeah, you guys are good. Mm-hmm. Good to get points out of that. What do you, how do you think they're going to be playing after Jonathan Gomez leaves? Do you think that's a massive hit to you their... You know, I all, I've always wondered, because um, 
they've had some really good seasons in the past. They lost, I think it was after their first, yeah, I think it was after their first national championship. They actually lost their starting goalkeeper, who was phenomenal, Greg Rangensing. Um, he went, actually went to Orlando. And we've, I mean, we lost Kyle Smith, who's a, a stellar defender. This past year, we lost uh, Speedy Williams, who actually plays for Miami now. And he was a key contributor on the team. So, I mean, were they Jonathan Gomez caliber? Uh, you know, I think they had the experience, which made them just as valuable, in my opinion. Because uh, I, I think that Jonathan Gomez still has kind of a lot to learn. Uh, but I've always kind of wondered that in the past when those those players have left and yet they come back and have a pretty solid team year after year. And granted, I, they have a lot of their core that's kind of stayed through that time period, which I think helps, you know, when you have the system in place and they've had a good captain and Paulo Del Piccolo to, to lead them. But, you know, they have, they've had players that have made decisions to retire, um, you know, good quality players. So, yeah, I think it'll it'll definitely hurt. But the other part of me is like, good for him. And I think that's the attitude of all the the Louisville City fans that understand his situation. It's like, you know, we're not we're not naive enough to think that that's not a <laughs> an absolutely awesome opportunity for him. So it's nice. Uh, honestly, it's it's partially a victory to know that there's talent from our team that's moving on to that level of play. So, no, yeah, for sure, and that's definitely how everyone. All the uh, MLS teams, USL teams, like they should all look at it that way, you Absolutely. know, because as a nation, we're still a development nation. And we've actually, you know, we've progressed a little bit from that retirement, just old guys come to play here. You know, we're actually producing talent that can compete on a European level. So, yeah, I think a lot of MLS fans have to have that mindset if we're going to grow as a nation in the sport. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And, Sometimes it's nice to – it's kind of like the the substitute, the super sub on the bench, you know, that just steps up to the plate and realizes that's how they contribute to the team. Um, as far as world football is concerned, I think we need to realize that that's kind of where we're at right now is to be that league or those leagues between MLS and USL that help develop talent um, both domestically and to set – individuals up to be able to thrive abroad and i'm i'm happy with that uh, for the time being because you get to see a lot of individuals develop to that point and then you get to to see them move on and do bigger and better things now long term i hope that we start migrating to being one of the more competitive leagues in the world but i mean at the end of the day let's face it we have i would argue the best leagues when it comes to basketball American football, um, hockey. So there's a lot of split over the athleticism that's developed in the United States. And it's not like Spain where you have futsal courts in every community park. You know, here it's it's basketball courts. I mean, that's just our thing. So the fact that we're starting to play that role, I think, is is good for us and i think over time we'll 
we'll see that continue to grow. Yeah, and talking about, you know, investment in the community from these MLS teams is so important. And, like, what Chicago Fire is doing is they're, I think it's like a $30 million facility that they're going to kind of have an academy uh, on the west side of Chicago and or just something to where people will get familiar with the game. Uh, and a lot of places, a lot of clubs invest in, like, futsal courts or uh, football fields you know, in order to expose people to the game. Because, you know, that's how it starts. You know, kids kids looking for something to do to pick up a football and go to the futsal court, you know? Yeah, and it's, I mean, the sport, you don't need much to play a game of, of football, soccer, you know? Like, the cost to get involved with that and just play on a pickup from a pickup standpoint is pretty limited. And it's, it's been made that way in the U S too, because your, your most expensive piece of equipment, is your basketball goal. <laughs> so, you know, when it's available to park, yeah, I mean, heck you can go with your friends and, and go play soccer is almost, it's cheaper because, and to be honest, I think that's, that's why it thrives. And in, in a lot of different places is you just need a couple markers to mark the goal. And you know, something that resembles a ball and you can play. I don't know. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see over time. I, I kind of think we're playing two, two roles right now, a bit of a, of the development piece, but then also a bit of the retirement league, which I know drives Josh nuts. I think bringing big stars over here helps do a lot for the popularity of the sport, along with our success in the world cup. And I think until we're hitting success at a World Cup level on a consistent basis, I don't know that we're going to really see much progress in the domestic leagues here. I think that when we're hosting the 2026 World Cup as North America, yeah, I that's think a good that's, that's going to do a lot for the sport. Um, and I'd say even in the domestic leagues. And the good thing is that when you're bringing in these former world-class players to these teams and now you have them mingling with your youth prospects i think that that's really good you know then you have a mentor uh someone to look up to like when you relate it to manchester united like edison edison cavani he's he's teaching all those young young guys like greenwood ahmad like all these other guys all these forwards just about the game um, and that's valuable to have that kind of leadership. So having a mix of the youth prospects and the retirement guys, you know, it, it's good for now. Uh, whenever the MLS raises the salary cap, I'm sure we're going to start seeing some more premier names um, because, you know, America has the money to do it. It's just that we have a salary cap to keep everything competitive. So they just need to change the name salary cap to financial fair play and then we'll <laughs> yeah. get all the big players. Yeah, that is true. Just l- make it very vague and <laughs> to where, yeah, well, how do we interpret it, this? But... <laughs> I don't know. How do you yeah. interpret it? <laughs> yeah. So this is the next step, you know, and then we're going to be into a development and then get players in their prime kind of league, you know, um, so the level of play is raising day by day in MLS for sure, especially with these youth guys that are just coming in, torching it up. Um, you know, then even your average, the average American player is going to get better and better as 
as time goes on. So, and we couldn't really say that was true previously, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you'll see the MLS quality. It'll just get better year after year. I already, you know, I, I thought it was kind of unwatchable probably three years ago uh, to now where I can watch some games and, like, there's some good bits of play. Or there's a player who just, like, you can tell is a level above the competition. And I always think that's fun to watch. So speaking of American leagues and something that's kind of foreign to those leagues, and I just wanted to touch on during this segment is is kind of, you know, something a little bit different to talk about related to the sport. This whole concept of having basically multiple competitions. So, you know, the, the Europeans have the domestic cup, they have their league, they're in the champions or you know, Europa League, you know, is I've always enjoyed that as a fan. And, and the reason being is because that kind of forces teams to play deeper in their bench. So you get to see, cause you can't, you can't afford to have your best players be fielded um, for a lot of these competitions because they fall so close to each other that you would just completely wear out um, some of your top you know, starters. So for me, it's, I think it's fun because one, you're getting to see other people deeper on the roster and they're getting opportunities to play. Two, if you're not doing well in one particular competition or it's not looking good, there's still opportunities to win other things. So, like, you don't have these kind of situations like the American leagues have where, you know, you figure out a good portion of the way through your season that, you know, wow, this is not going well. So, in some cases, let's just tank so we can get a great uh, draw in the draft lottery. You know, stuff like that. But curious to hear your perspective, Jake, because... I've I've actually heard some people say well, I don't I don't like it. I'd rather them take on more of the American sports model where you know, you have your league and at the end of the league you you know, whoever's in the top X amount of slots ends up with a playoff slot and then you have wild card and you know, then people still have a chance, but I've always kind of felt like, well, if you're in multiple competitions and you can kind of prioritize them and you can you get multiple opportunities to win different championships yeah you talked about squad rotation uh i mean the some of the i mean most of the best players played in a cup cup competition before they played a league game you know uh just that's where youngsters get their opportunity i think it's so exciting when you have some highly rated wonder kid get to make his debut like I, i was super uh super excited for Mason Greenwood's debut, super excited for Ahmad Diallo's debut. So, yeah, I mean, that's really valuable. And I think a lot of the reason that, you know, some American people uh, like European football is because it is different than all the other sports that we already have, you know. Uh, And having all these competitions, uh, the more times I get to see my team play, the happier I am, you know. Um, If it was just every weekend... I don't know. I, I love those Tuesday, Wednesday nights uh, in Champions League. I love the FA Cup 
a little bit more of the later rounds, but I still enjoy playing some of these like lower league teams, you know, um, and just seeing like what their atmosphere is like, uh, what their stadium's like. Just seeing, I don't know. Well, I, you recently, I, you recently heard the NBA talk about doing a a mid season tournament, you know, which kind of makes you wonder: is that is that kind of the direction that others want to try to go? You know, it's it's kind of funny because when when Adam Silver started talking about that, I'm like, ugh, that sounds terrible. But then I'm like, well, I like a sport where that's pretty prevalent. So I, it's kind of <laughs> two-faced to say I'd like it in one and, and not another, although I will say I'm not a huge NBA fan. But do you think do you think we'll see more of that? Um, and, you know, one of the things we don't have right now is the NBA, I think mostly based on its franchise-type model, I mean, there's not like an – a basketball champions league you know there is they they have similar things in europe don't get me wrong like the a lot of the club set up there's similar but do you ever see other american leagues here because mls the mls teams play in the for the lamar hunt trophy so they kind of have that right but do you see like the nhl or the mlb you know one i haven't even mentioned yet do you see those leagues trying to adopt something similar to kind of create multiple opportunities to win some hardware? I I could see it with the NBA. Um, Personally, I wouldn't be that big of a fan. Like I I do keep up with the NBA a good amount. I wouldn't really be a fan of a tournament like that mid season just because I don't, I don't know if teams would really take it seriously just because it's all about, you know, you've already established for so many years that it's all about uh, the NBA Finals trophy. So, yeah, that one, I, I mean, I don't think... I can see it catching on from a money perspective because you get to advertise these games as, oh, this knockout tournament, you know, win or lose and you're out. Um, and, yeah, it does give you something else to look forward to. You know, if, if Manchester United are not doing well in the league i can say hey we could still win the fa cup you know it gives you it gives you a lot more things to look forward to and also it, it's just so important to have those kind of national competitions like the dfb pokal um the copa italia um the fa cup because that's just really like that's the heritage of your country and the sport so and, and you're playing all levels you know everyone every professional team in the country gets to play in that. So you are the best in the country. If you win that knockout tournament, one could say, um, I, I would only see it happening from a money perspective, just because those ratings would be higher than a regular season game. You know, I don't know. It'd be tough to fit in just yeah. for these guys who are already playing so many regular season games in a short span of time. Baseball, you can't add any more games. Football, you can't. American football, you can't add any more games. Basketball, you're stretching it. <laughs> like well, I don't know. Got, they'd be forced to go deeper in their bench, don't you think? I mean, guy, guys are already complaining about how many games they have to play. So no, I mean, yeah, they definitely would. Um, yeah, and also another thing is you have to deal with players' unions. That's something yeah. you don't have to deal with. <laughs> in the international uh in the european stage you know so yeah one of the one of the things i like is it's kind of 
with the different cups and like the leagues, it's it's two different types of reward. You know, with a with a league, I'm getting I'm getting rewarded for overall over the course of a period of time sustained quality play. You know, on average. I'll say on average because you could have a absolutely stellar beginning of your season, you know, and then you could get towards the end, a few games left and just play terrible, but you still win the league. And same thing to be said, you know, you could start off pretty rough, but gain momentum and then build it and then win the league. The The cup competitions are are different in that, you know, a lot of them are one or two legs and you're done. You know, it's more the traditional playoff model that we know of here in the United States. So to me, it's kind of cool that there's that variety of rewarding kind of different things. And with the league, you're never going to worry about the team that's in last and consistently in last just magically hitting a run, <laughs> you know, and and any, ended up getting something, you know, kind of that, that wild card. Well, that's our, all I really had uh, on our agenda for today. I'm hoping that uh, Curb, Adam, and Josh are all in, enjoying their vacations, and hopefully we get them on back back pretty soon. Um, but Jake, it's been nice hanging out with you, and like I said, it, for whatever reason, it feels like it's been a little while since we've done one, so it's been nice to, to catch back up and talk football again. Yeah, uh, good season. <laughs> There's just a lot of stuff going on right now in the football world. So it's been a good season drama-wise. Yeah, I think, you know, we're, like we talked about earlier, the ch- the transfer window, there still looks like there's probably a couple couple big opportunities that could come. It'll be interesting to see who, if anyone, seizes those opportunities. And it would be absolutely bizarre to see Messi and Ronaldo transfer in the same in the same window. <laughs> Both I to mean, PSG. I, I mean, hey, I, they got I all mean, the money. Yeah, and I mean, Josh has said it before. I think we're we're fortunate. We live in an era where we have like two of the best players ever to play the game. You know, playing at the same time to see them go in the same transfer window would kind of be the cherry on top. Particularly since I never even thought Messi was gonna gonna leave Barcelona. So yeah, just crazy stuff. Fingers still crossed for Ruben Neves, though. <laughs> right, I, re- right. I really want him at Manchester United. Well, you've been listening to the Ballistic Football Podcast, where real amateurs talk real football. Again, just a reminder: you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Ballistic Footy. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to chatting with you next time. <laughs>